This is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel, Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. God of this world, Satan, has convinced this world that they should be the center of their world, not God. When that's the aim, and I'm the center, there's not much room for Jesus, who is to become the center. In fact, I think Satan has even brought this concept into the church. You'll hear it all the time. It's very, very subtle. But some will include God into their lives, but they do so with this emphasis, Well, God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be happy, doesn't he? I know. Read your Bible again. That's not all it is about. He will give you joy, but he'll give you joy in things you never thought you would have had joy in. The motto of our culture today seems to be, do whatever makes you happy. We're constantly bombarded with this idea. YOLO. Just do it. Have it your way. Many Christians today also believe that God just wants them to be happy. In this self-centered worldview, Jesus becomes a genie who does whatever we want. As Pastor Troy teaches us today, if you're a true follower of Jesus, then you serve Him and do whatever brings Him the most glory. And Jesus will give you true joy that the world cannot give. Now, here's Pastor Troy in the book of John, chapter 15, as he continues his message, This is No Popularity Contest. Jesus comes along and He reveals to the whole world, and especially to the religious leaders, you're aiming at the wrong thing. You have the wrong aim. They needed to set their sights, not just the religious leaders, the whole world, everyone who's aiming at the wrong thing. They needed to set their sights to what was true if they wanted to find what was true and fulfilling in life. They needed to set their sights on Christ if they were going to find that which fulfilled in life. See, in all their aiming at the law, the religious leaders missed the Christ. Oh, and they did it well. They did it beyond well. They were annoying they did it so well. But see, Jesus said, that's not what you should have been aiming at. The law could never make a person righteous. Nothing you did, all of it you did, could never make a person righteous. And so Jesus comes along, tells them they're aiming at the wrong things, the whole world, and he made a lot of enemies because of it. He wasn't being mean. He was just being truthful. Jesus told Pilate in John 18, 37, For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. The truth is this, that our lives were created to worship and bring glory to God. That doesn't sound all that ambitious. It doesn't sound all that good to some who are about bringing glory to themselves. Riches to themselves, attention to themselves, appeasement to themselves. Where am I in the equation? Well, you're satisfied when you surrender yourself and worship and live your life to glorify the Lord. Speaking about abstaining from physical lusts, 
Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Everything you have, even the most personal areas of your life, they are to be brought before the Lord and to honor and glorify him. It's there that we find our fulfillment, not in the many things we aim at or pursue. Did you know that there's no room for Christ in a world that is insistent upon its own direction? Because see, his desire is to lead us. But we are insistent upon our own aim, our own direction, our own goals. We cannot follow him. Every worldly government and every worldly culture, as it rises up and stands in opposition to God's values, begins to make decisions about God's people, that they're in the way. And there have been times throughout history where governments have turned a blind eye and allowed the persecution of God's people. We read about it. Fox's Book of Martyrs gives you a whole list of what happened. The apostles and beyond then. Men, women would go and the church wants to hold on to the scriptures so they tell the people what it means to control the people. But they say, we need it in our own language. We need to be able to read it and know God for ourselves because some of what you're saying isn't true. And so they gave their lives, were killed because of their desire to force the church to let go and let the Bible be interpreted in the languages the people could actually read and know God for themselves. People died. The apostles, you know, we don't read about it. But let me tell you um, what happened, according to Fox's Book of Martyrs, to some of the apostles. Matthew was slain with a sword or spear in Ethiopia. Mark was dragged to his death through the streets of Alexandria. Luke was hung on an olive tree in Greece. John was placed in boiling oil. He didn't die, so he was banished to the island of Patmos, where he would write the Revelation. Peter was crucified in Rome. Philip was scourged, imprisoned, and then crucified in Phrygia. The older James was beheaded in Jerusalem. The younger James was thrown from the temple, then beaten to death with clubs. Bartholomew was beaten with rods, scourged, and then beheaded. Andrew was bound to a cross where he preached to his persecutors until he died. Thomas was thrust through with a spear in East India. And Jude was shot to death with arrows. The Bible does not take us that far into their lives, does it? Those were the friends of Jesus. Many of those were the ones Jesus was telling them, you're my friend. Oh, and they're going to hate you. You know, there's a movement today in the church to not be an enemy of the world, but a friend, to be popular. Some have called it the hipster church movement, the hipster pastor movement, the hipster movement. It's actually a move to be popular in the world, to look like them, to say, we can do what they do. We can be cool, man, because we want people to feel like they want to come. That's their operation, expecting that that will draw crowds. And guess what? It does. It draws big crowds, even big names. I mean, we got to be likable. We got to be cool. We got to be accommodating. We got to be relevant. So the titles of messages are really cool and give you some shock value and Maybe even pass out pop rocks to celebrate the 80s. I say this in jest, but it actually happened. 
So they said, next week, we're going to have Pop Rocks, and the title's going to be the theme of the 80s movies. We have a book that we want to make sure that all those who are leaders in our church read one of many books. It's called Spiritual Leadership. It's one of the required reading, again, for those who would be leaders here at this church. And as the author, Oswald Sanders, is addressing Paul's words to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says this. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. Now, that was a leader, a leader in the church. Man desires that. He desires a good work. But understanding that what that looks like today is like, yeah, I want to be a pastor. I want to be in front of people. I want people to like me. I want to be popular. I want... That's kind of what it's become today, really. And so with that in mind, Oswald Sanders wrote this. We may understand his statement, that statement of Paul's, to say it's a, he desires a good work. We may understand his statement in terms of the prestige and respect given to Christian leaders today, but such was far from Paul's mind. In his day, a bishop faced great danger and worrisome responsibility. Rewards for the work of leading the church were hardship, contempt, rejection, and even death. The leader was the first to draw fire and persecution, first in line to suffer. That's why when you desired those positions, you desired a good thing. It was good. Because that meant God was stirring in you and you said, my life is not my own. I'm bought with a Christ. But that's not the same today. People desire it all the time for luxury and for you name it. There's a different aim in many churches. So why is it that the friends of Jesus aren't going to be so popular with the world? I mean, they may not kill you. That's good. But they might ignore you. They might talk about you. They may shun you in your work circles, even in your family circles. Why? I'll give you a couple of whys. I think it's only fair if you're going to be hated. One, the world hates you because they hate God. That's the bottom line. Verse 18, Jesus said, if it hated me before it hated you. Verse 23, he who hates me hates my father also. Why? Because they're one. Verse 24, they have now seen and have hated both me and my father. In other words, the religious leaders who said, we're following the law. We love God. That's why we devote ourselves to the law. He's saying, well, they saw me and they hated me, which means they hate the father. So they love the law. They love the checklist, but they don't love God because they rejected the one and only son of God. You see, any hatred the world would have toward you as you seek to commit yourself to the Lord. And for that reason, not just because you're some offensive person that's always acting like, you know, they're no good and you're good. That's not good. But if you're following the Lord, just seeking to follow the Lord and he's changing you and causing separation and the world's starting to hate you, that's really not a personal thing. It's a spiritual thing. They don't like what God's doing. They don't like God. They don't like it. They like it when God is love, tolerant, forgiving, and non-judgmental. Judge not. Atheists even know that scripture. You're a Christian. Judge not. Judge not, lest you be judged. No, that's not what that scripture actually means. Don't ever make a judgment. Because then Jesus even told us, hey, judge your righteous judgment. You must make a judgment. But what he's saying is, don't be a judgmental person judging people all over the place because whatever you judge towards others, it's going to come back on you. 
See, the God of this world, Satan, has convinced this world that they should be the center of their world, not God. When that's the aim, and I'm the center, there's not much room for Jesus, who is to become the center. In fact, I think Satan has even brought this concept into the church. You'll hear it all the time. It's very, very subtle. But some will include God into their lives, but they do so with this emphasis. Well, God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be happy, doesn't he? Uh, No, read your Bible again. That's not all that he's about. He will give you joy, but he'll give you joy in things you never thought you would have had joy in. The things you say make you happy are those milestones that are along the path toward your aim, your ambitions, your goals. But the Lord wants to fill you with joy, that which is eternal. Stay tuned to hear more from today's teaching on Building on the Solid Rock. Pastor Troy Neely has been sharing insights from God's Word with us, and he'll have much more to share in the next part of this message. We're so glad you tuned in today, and we pray you've been encouraged and challenged by what you've heard. If you've been touched by this program, or if you have any questions about Building on the Solid Rock, we'd love to hear from you. Send an email to info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. That's info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. You can also find out more about this program by visiting buildingonthesolidrock.com. Listen to previous teachings as well, and even subscribe to our podcast. Now, here's Pastor Troy with more of today's message. See, that phrase, God wants me to be happy, is really just a a license to preoccupy oneself with their own agenda. I want to do this, and God wants me to be happy, right? I want to do this. But that thing may not be from the Lord. So if you're not really serious about following the Lord, in other words, your commitment to Him is basically you come to church, but you don't really, beyond that, there's not really much following of Him much influence, or, or you walk around, God wants me to be happy, then you may not be experiencing much of this hatred, much of this resistance. Satan has you neutralized. You're pretty much blending in, often pursuing the same things as the world, just as busy as them, just as worried about things as them. No big difference. But if you're a serious follower of Christ, you can expect that some of this hatred will rise up towards you. People won't understand why you're making the decisions to put Christ first. I was first in your life before, and now we, our group was first in your life, and now Christ is? Now you've chosen him above me? It will ruffle feathers. It will angry people. It will separate sometimes friends, coworkers, and family because we put Christ first. And what happens is, as you follow Christ, they see in you a light shining on them, exposing their empty pursuits. And they hate it. Oh, they hate it. Look at verse 22 through 24. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. You see, before Jesus came, all the people had to go by was... The law. The law set Israel apart, so they were above the rest of the Gentile world, and the religious leaders were above the average Jew because they knew the law and had the tassels and checked all the boxes. 
And so the thought was, I'm meeting more of the requirements of the law than you. I'm better than you. I'm closer to God than you. Better off. But when Jesus came, he ruffled some feathers. See, he came and regardless of the law, he showed compassion and love and kindness. If you look at it, Jesus showed the fruit of the spirit apart from the law. Godly character rather than legal conformity. I mean, anyone can follow a bunch of rules, even if their heart's not in it. Even if they hate doing it, I'll do it anyway. And they can check all the boxes. But Jesus came and showed an attitude toward others. He healed even on the Sabbath. Oh, that made the religious leaders mad. He showed compassion to those who were considered unclean. Oh, that drove him crazy. You're missing one of the boxes. You're not checking the box. But his was attitude, not just doing things. And now that they had seen in him what they ought to be, what real righteousness does and what it looks like, an attitude rather than an observance, a light was turned on and shone upon them and it exposed their shallow deeds and their darkened hearts, which were sort of hidden by the fact that they were checking off all the boxes on the law. They didn't like what the light exposed in them. I mean, they were following the law to the letter, like, I have this dedicated to the Lord, so mom and dad, I know you're struggling, and you could use a couch, but I already devoted the bed and the couch to the Lord. I can't let you have it. It's the Lord's. Check the box. I'm really standing firm for the Lord. I've even forsaken my family. Uh, No. They were missing it. They're following letter, but they had no heart. Jesus came with heart. said, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, if you're led of the Spirit, you don't need a law to govern you and tell you do this, don't do that. Because the Spirit of God will fill you and you will have a heart of compassion and love. The fruits of the Spirit will be in your life. And yes, truth will matter. It will be of utmost importance. But not for your righteousness but for your direction, your path, your aim. And so, because you will shine a light, they're not going to like you. They will hate you because they hate God. Let me give you another reason. The world will hate you. The world will hate you because you left them. Yeah, you left them. Verse 19, he says, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. When you began to follow Christ... You began to put away certain worldly things. You began to stop doing certain worldly things so that you could focus on Christ and what Christ wanted you to be and the things that he wanted you to do. And you put him first. And so you didn't live like that any longer. You didn't go to some of the places that they used to go with them where they found the most comfort with you. You were their friend, you were in, but now you've separated yourself. It's kind of odd, it's strange. They enjoy certain things, they continue to indulge in certain things, but you stop those things. And not only that, but you've begun to share with them why you stopped them, because they were damaging your relationship and they were the cause of some of the things that were not right in your life. And they start to feel a sense of, well, well, you're making me feel like a sinner or something. We used to do this together, now you, you think you're too good for us? Because you've changed, you leave them no excuse. Before, it was like, well, people can't change. 
makes me feel comfortable in what I'm doing, but now you've changed and you've left them no excuse they can change. And they don't like that either. So instead of following your lead, many will pick on you or mock you, talk about you, shun you. They will no longer be your friend. Sometimes friends, sometimes family will turn their back on you and distance themselves from you. But that's to be expected. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, 2 Timothy 3.12, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All, all Christians? Oh, he says it this way, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You see, whenever you leave the ranks of the world and you stop partying like the world and hanging out with them and living so loose looking like them, acting like them, pursuing their pursuits. Often the world, those still indulging themselves in those things, will misinterpret that as you having a superiority complex. That's the way they'll view it. Out of nowhere, they may say things like, so you think you're better than us? Out of nowhere. Or you start growing in the Lord with another Christian. The same thing happens. They don't want to continue to grow, but you're growing. Oh, you think you're better than us? I know who you really are. And it's as if they, they want to bring you back down so they don't feel so bad about where they are. I hear people say, well, you, you talk about being born again. They'll go, well, I'm not a bad person. I didn't say anything about being a bad person. You need to be born again. Or they'll say to you, I know who you really are. You're not fooling anyone. It can affect your relationship with friends, coworkers, and family when you begin to follow the Lord. When you're his friend. Jesus knew this. And he also made a great promise. Or gave a great promise. That many that I know. Find great comfort in. Even to this day. Luke chapter 18. Verses 29 and 30. So he said to them. Jesus said to them. Assuredly I say to you. There is no one who has left house. Or parents. Or brothers. Or wife. Or children. And Matthew and the other gospels. It even says land. And possessions for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. He says, yeah, you may have to. As you're walking, you may have to leave some things, even some people behind because they don't want to go. They don't want to grow. And so they'll just get left behind and it'll cause friction. So from what a friend we have in Jesus to, oh, by the way, the world hates me and they will hate my friends. So that brings us to a fourth point. You had enough yet? We got one more. This is a good one. The world hates you, but there's good news. First, we're following the truth, God's truth. Second, you're in good company here. You're not alone. You're not the only one who experiences this. And you're not the first one either. When you're persecuted, hated for Christ, Christ stands with you. In verse 18, Jesus is saying, look, if they hate you, they hated me first. I'm in this with you. I understand. We're in this together. So you're in good company. Listen to what Jesus taught at the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. It'll have to be falsely because if you're following the Christ, what you're saying is going to be true. I mean, there's going to be no reason except that you're just no fun anymore. You're just too holy. You're just too good for everybody. That'll be it. 
No time for us anymore. When they accuse you falsely, he says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad when they do that. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I'm going to talk about being in good company. Think about Moses. He was hassled by the Pharaoh. The people all grumbled to him. Moses didn't call himself, and yet his own sister would come up. Hey, who put you in charge? Why are you leading all this? Why can't we have some input? God gave her a little leprosy for a time to make a point. Hey, we're so glad you joined us today for Pastor Troy's teaching in the book of John. If you'd like to hear today's message again, visit our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. There, you'll also find an archive of previous messages from Pastor Troy, as well as information about this radio ministry, Building on the Solid Rock. You might be interested in the church behind this ministry as well, Calvary Chapel Solid Rock. If you're in the San Antonio area, we'd love to meet you and for you to be a part of our weekly services. For the latest service times, please visit our website. You'll find a link to Calvary Chapel Solid Rock at buildingonthesolidrock.com. From all of us on the production team at Building on the Solid Rock, we'd like to say thank you for tuning in today. We pray you continue to seek God during these times of uncertainty and that you explore what He wants to teach you in His Word. Join us again as Pastor Troy continues sharing from the book of John on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in Him. Come have your way in us. Come